the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you, 335, and the congressman is here. By the way, I told everybody I'd ask you, do you know Congressman Mooney? I do. I know him very well. Uh, We are in a Bible study together, and we both serve on the House Financial Services Committee together. Well, very cool. Good guy. By the way, I just want everybody to know that the Second Amendment Protection Act has no co-sponsors, which tells you that it's not going to go anywhere right now. But Something like this has got to go somewhere, does it not, Congressman? Well, as you and I have talked, this whole issue of the conflict between the federal government's law on marijuana as a drug, it's uh, not a legal drug, and what's happened in our states are just drawing more and more conflict. We recently talked about it in our committee about do we want to have a safe harbor for bankers in states where marijuana is legal, medicinal, or recreational for essentially taking the deposit of a state legal distributor or related business. And, you know, it's a conflict when you think about it intellectually. Yeah. Unless, you're, unless you're completely on board with recreational marijuana, you don't have a problem with it, moral, emotional, libertarian, legal, you mm-hmm. know, you're just one with it. You recognize the conflict we have as a public policy issue. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But it's coming to a head. Yeah. And it's going to come to a head. If it ends up on the ballot next year, it's going to come to a head here in this state. Because personally, I think most baby boomers will vote for it. I believe anybody that's under 30 is going to vote for it. So that tells me probably will pass. Do I think the world will come to the end? No, not at all. No, I think. I think what I've what I've tried to do to educate myself is talk to my colleagues in the state of Washington, the state of Colorado, see what's going right, what's going wrong, mm-hmm. what are the residual things. No surprises, just like you do, more arrests, more doped driving, more concerns about kids, the things that we know instinctively that are problems with any kind of a uh, a substance like right. that that's a problem. So we're going to be coping with it. State and federal levels. All right. So, are are you are they talking about it in, in D.C.? Yeah. And I'll let it go from there because no, there's no, other th- bigger they, things to talk about. They are they are talking about it. And as I say in our committee, we've we've already addressed this issue of providing a safe harbor for commercial banks that they won't be written up for a compliance problem if they're a. I saw state a story law. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an example of it. We've got a million other big issues. money. Yeah. Big money. I'm just yeah. telling you, it's big money. Now, a lot of the states are, I think, making big mistake because they're making it big tax money. So what happens? The people that were on the black market are still on the black market undercutting their prices. Right. And we've seen in instances where we still have concerns about uh, the health effects. We spend millions of dollars in this country to get people to stop smoking, but now we're in federally incur i mean state encouraging people mm-hmm. to smoke marijuana still have concerns about kids access to it as a gateway drug particularly for adolescents and 
we've seen state of Washington, state of Colorado, official stamped marijuana on the streets, including in Arkansas. So we see it being trafficked, even though obviously it's not supposed to be. So I guess they really have Colorado high now, huh? They do. (laughs) Forget Coors. (laughs) All right. Look, there was like three different things we wanted to talk about, but I... I thought of the three things that uh, we wanted to, to discuss, that this was the biggest one, and the, the local paper picked up on this, too. It's, it's a huge story. The gunmaker coming from uh, over in the Czech Republic and doing a $90 million venture. And we're not talking 100 jobs here. We're talking over the next six years, 600 people. This is like... You know, when they screwed up and they let, uh, what was it, FedEx get away and go to Memphis, right. they don't want to do that this time. No, this was a major team effort. My hat's off to uh, Asa Hutchison, the governor, and Mike Preston at Economic Development, but also terrific work by Jay Cheshire and the Regional Chamber of Commerce and Brian Day, who's our port director, to create a site. Brian is involved in this. Brian huh? is involved. This Good is a him. critical new component at the port, and he led the team. And uh, Governor Hutchison just did an outstanding job. This this surfaced in January, and they've closed it in April. This is wow. terrific work by our economic development team. And twenty two dollars an hour wow. is the minimum wage. Yeah, there. that's big. This comes from I think a great strategy that Governor Hutchison had when he got elected. We had a, a meeting, and we were thinking about strategically about how to recruit more economic development to the state. And I said, well, we want to keep missions coming to Little Rock Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. We want to keep Camp Robinson as the center for National Guard field uh, training. Right. We want to pursue expansions at Fort Chaffee. We want Pound Bluff Arsenal to grow if it can. Let's focus on the private sector that do defense contracting. Not just be relying on beautiful Lockheed down in Camden. Yeah. Uh, and so the governor put a set aside $500,000 back in 2015, created an advisory board of let's bring in defense related businesses that could help us grow our economy. Sig Sauer in Jacksonville is a great example of that. Hey, you were over there last week, weren't you? Uh, thought they would have 70 jobs. They're up to 167 jobs wow. and growing. They said it's the best workforce they've experienced in the United States. And they're making all the ammunition for the M17 and M18 pistols, which is the new sidearm for the armed forces of the United States. Guess what? They use a lot of ammunition. They do. They're going to be in a position to make 250 million rounds of ammunition at that facility. Wow. wow. <laughs> You couldn't shoot uh, that in a year, I don't think. Uh, no, I could sure try. <laughs> I could sure try. But no, this is, a, this, is, this is about strategic leadership at the state for economic development. Yep. It's exciting. Well, and gun, gun businesses are the perfect people to go out and talk about Arkansas. We don't have any problems with guns. We love our hunting. We love our recreational shooting. Sure. We're so proud of our kids that lead the trap contest all around the country. We're proud of our culture of growing up uh, friendly with uh, firearms and the right to possess them so it makes complete sense yeah we're we're second amendment friendly and it is really paid off for the state got to be millions of dollars of tax revenues coming in from that industry now this is going to bring a lot of revenue in and I, i think it's exciting as somebody who worked in eastern europe after the berlin wall fell for me to see the ceo of a czech company yeah 
coming to Little Rock to open up a business 25 years after the wall fell, it excites me personally. And he said one of the secret ingredients to this recruiting, Mm -hmm. the pantry restaurant in Hillcrest. (laughs) Really? serve Czech beer on tap. Owned by a terrific Czech restaurant entrepreneur. So... There you go. Boom. Very, very exciting. Never, never know what would be the deciding factor, do right. you? Never, never know. But again, uh, as I was telling everybody earlier last hour, 600 people within six years. It sounds like to me it may be more than that. Uh, as as you know, They have been very, very – I'm looking at all the different jobs here. Uh, assemblers – now, I'm kind of interested in, in the test firers – uh, machine operators, packers, loaders, skilled laborers, warehouse workers, engineers, production supervisors, all who will be paid an average $22 an hour. I mean, some of those people can make more than $22 right. an hour. Right. Good good stuff. Good step. We're on a roll. What a, how do you play into that? I mean, what what were you doing in this? What was your behind-the-scenes Input. Well, one of my first of all, I, I like to think I helped encourage this strategic effort to go towards the defense contracting uh, arena when I was first elected. But I work hand in glove with our chamber. I'm a former chamber chairman and have helped on recruiting and helped with the port uh, get the resources they need for developing their land. Most recently, working with Brian Day on moving the VOR navigation cone. Uh, by the FAA, which we now have in test to move it to a new location so that we can expand to all that land that we own, the mm-hmm. port owns, south of the Wellspun manufacturing plant. Okay. So it's always a process of collaboration in case we need federal support in an economic development type grant arena or just letting make sure the port has the resources that they need. Now I need to get Brian back on. I mean, Brian was. He a, and I did a lot of stuff together when he was Parks. Most recently, we got a Tiger grant for the port that extended their short-haul rail system out there, which is now open. We did a ground uh, sort of a celebration of it being uh, opened, and that was a a major federal support of what we're doing at the port. A lot of people don't hear much about the port. port's doing some big things out there. That Arkansas River still traveled quite heavily. Right. And people need to understand that as well. All right. Let's talk about another thing. I'm not going to talk about the Mueller report. I've talked enough about it. I'll, if we've got a few minutes, we'll, t- we'll deal with it. Uh, but let, let's talk about something else you've been dealing with, and, and it's something that I am uh, have to tell you I want to give you a big kudos about, and this is the World War I Valor Medals Review Act. This is cool. Well, look, I'm a vet, okay, yeah. and one of the bad things that happened in the American military was racism. Yep. And you've gone a long way of helping to clean that all, all up. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that throw down the race card, but I got to tell you this, we should be ashamed about some of the things that we did to yep. our veterans because they were not of the right color. Yeah, this this bill touched me. I want to credit Brian Mitchell, a researcher at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, who did a great job in researching victims at the Elaine Massacre, which was a terrible, horrible racial injustice 100 years ago this year in 1919. And one of those victims was a guy named Leroy Johnson. He was an Army hero in mm-hmm. World War One. He fought with the Harlem Hellfighters. 
Gotta love he, that. He deserved the Purple Heart, and he did not receive it. And no, because he was black. He was a black African-American. And uh, with Brian's research, we double-checked. We worked on the records, and we awarded his family that medal last October 2018. But it raised the question, well, gosh, if we took care of Sergeant Leroy Johnson— uh, what about everyone else who served? And so we have a bipartisan group, uh, Roy Blunt from Missouri and Van Holland from Maryland in the Senate, and then my friend Emmanuel Cleaver from Missouri and I sponsoring the legislation in the House. We've asked the Department of Defense to research every African-American who served in World War One and others, I might add, that could be an American Indian. We want to yeah. know if anyone was discriminated against. One of the windwalkers. Who... Um, should have received the Croix de Guerre from France or the Medal of Honor or the Purple Heart or any other decoration while service in World War I. Okay, now this gentleman here, uh, Johnson, Sergeant Johnson, is it the Medal of Honor that he's been going to be he given? Was, he was uh, awarded the Purple Heart. Purple Heart, yeah. okay. All right, because I was wondering if it was the Medal of Honor, if he was going to be added to the state statues that we have there on on campus but you know this you talked about it this is one of those when we look back on it now this is one of those heartbreaks and uh i remember the bravery you know what what means everybody serves and everybody bleeds red yeah i can remember general pershing our commander in world war one in france general pershing got his name black jack pershing because he uh led a an african-american army company up san juan heights in the war of 1898 spanish-american war mm-hmm. and he cited they never fought with braver troops teddy roosevelt right there at their side never fought with braver troops and to think about just less than 20 years later they weren't recognized for their bravery it's it's a shame mm-hmm. on the army we're going to correct the injustice tuskegee airmen right we can go on and on about Roger that. all of that yep. it was not good so they're going to do uh, extensive reviews of all this then right and like I say, with this kind of strong bipartisan support we have in both houses, I would expect this to be made law. Oh, very good. This, that's great stuff. All right, let's get a break. We'll come back. Congressman's with us to the top of the hour. Then Joe and Duck will be by. And then we're going to have uh, Robert Steinbach join us in the final hour. I got to talk about impeachment because the Democrats just won't let it rest. We'll be back in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so... When you were first elected to Congress, Republicans were in control. Now the Democrats are in control. What's it like serving under Speaker Pelosi? Well, 100 days of disappointment <laughs> would be my instant reaction. I would have said 100 days of insanity, but, but it's, you're it's nicer gone, than I It's am. gone off the deep end. I mean, at one time you had, um, I'd say, Blue dogs and more moderate Democrats crafting policy with, you know, urban liberals, you and I Mm -hmm. would say. And now we have urban liberals trying to craft policy with left-wing sort of socialists that are not— Sort of? Yeah. Yeah, Hey, how about this? Sort of. Democrats are walking away from their own solution to health care, right? The right. Americans for dis- I mean the a- ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Well, they don't. They don't want to improve the Affordable Care Act and fix health care and bring in market discipline. No, what do they want to do? They want to go Medicare for all, single and abolish payer, private health insurance for 183 million people. Go single payer, and we're going to be voting on that like this week in the House. No, you remember uh, the senator from Nevada? I'm trying to think of his name right now. That got in a fight with a piece of gym equipment and lost. Uh, Harry Reid. Yeah, Harry Reid. He said 
we didn't go for single payer because we didn't have the votes. That's what we wanted, but we didn't have the votes. Well, now they think they got the votes, so now they're just going to do what they wanted to do all along. Well, uh, I don't think that's where our country is, where our citizens are. And uh, so it's been 100 days of disappointment for me. Can I play something Mitch McConnell said just the other day? Sure. You're going to love this. Play play the uh, the Senate leader and what he had to say there. It's cut number eight. In the meantime, pouring a lot Six. of cold water on the whole entire thing. Um, Mitch McConnell talking about how he would welcome this socialism. Listen to this. If I'm still the majority leader of the Senate after next year, none of those things are going to pass the Senate. They won't even be voted at all. So think of me as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's going to make sure that socialism doesn't land on the president's desk. There you go. The Grim Reaper of socialism. I've got to love it. I think people in this country want liberty, opportunity, the opportunity to pursue happiness, whether they're 25 years old or 75 years old. I don't think they want big, one-size-fits-all government takeovers of the energy industry, the medical health industry. This is not what people want. People don't support infanticide. People are not for anti-Semitism. Uh, people are not for the federal election ship, uh, system being taken over, ending their First Amendment rights. I mean, this is not where our country is, and yet these are the policies that Speaker Pelosi is pursuing just as we go week by week. Yeah, she seems to be afraid of her left wing. Am I wrong on that? She owes her left wing, and this is the challenge she has politically. She owes her speakership. She won by uh, two votes, really one vote. She won the speakership. She owes that to the moderates who were elected in districts won by President Trump. That's about 31 people. But she owes it also to the Congressional Black Caucus, who are the most senior members of the House Democratic Caucus, and she got the votes of the Ocasio-Cortez, Talib, uh, Omar wing. They most of them voted for her. Mm-hmm. So she's had to divide her loyalties. She's not, in my view, she's not in control of the agenda of the House. And they couldn't pass a budget last week. The fundamental mission of the majority party in the House is to pass the budget resolution. She could not get sufficient Democratic votes to vote a 2020 budget resolution. Yeah. She couldn't do a There will never be a budget if the Democrats really get in control. You know that. They could not pass a clean, simple, straightforward anti-Semitism resolution. And so... That's why I say it's 100 days of disappointment. Everett Dirksen used to say a million dollars here, a million dollars there. Now we're talking real money. Now Warren and others are talking trillions of dollars and acting like it's no big deal. We're on the cusp of running out of other people's money at the rate the Green New Deal and Medicare for All and free college. And if you can't work, we'll pay you $5,000 a month. Just because we're you're you're not able to work, you can't come up with a reason to work. Then reparations. Let's not forget right. that we got all of this money that they want to spend. And how does Warren say she'll pay for free college? Two cents on every dollar you make over five hundred million dollars. Well, you know that that is going to come down significantly. And by saying two cents, see, it makes it sound so 
simple. This is not possible. The math here does not work. The government spends a little over $4 trillion a year, and as you know, $3 trillion of that's in our demographically-based uh, programs, such as Medicare and Social Security. It. So we raise you know, just under $4 trillion in tax revenue. Dave, they're talking about spending over $100 trillion on new ideas over 10 years. You cannot raise enough taxes for that. It's just not possible. Whenever they say they have an idea to tax only the rich to pay for the Clean New Deal, $92 trillion, pay for Medicare for All, $32 trillion, or any of these other things, I've never seen an estimate on um, free College, for example. $49 trillion. Okay. There is not tax revenue there, and you're not even taking into account, well, what would happen to the private sector were you to raise taxes at that level? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah, the wealth tax. Two cents. Makes it sound. She made it. She made it sound so nice. Only yeah. two cents a dollar. Two cents on a dollar. It's, yeah. all, it's mm-hmm. not going to be good. Yeah, it will not be. Promise me the next time you come back to Arkansas and you get to sit in the studio that we'll sit here for an hour and talk. Let's do it. And let's continue to talk about how we preserve liberty and opportunity. Absolutely. It's the most important things we got to talk about. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it, Congressman. Congressman French Hill, 2nd District, with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.